0: There might be something to this. You gotta fucking become a vampire. You gotta set some woman's fucking panties on fire. (laughs) This might be the most fucking. This might be the best book we've ever read. Welcome to Booked, where two guys
1: tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Livia Sneddon. and I'm Rob Olson. The book that we're talking about this week is an anthology. You wanna know why? Because it's 2016, and we can do anthologies again. That's right. No more resolutions that we need to keep or find clever ways to break. Correct. We can just dive right into reading anthologies. We didn't we didn't waste any time at all because this is, what, our second or third episode in 2016 and we're already reading an anthology? That's right. And this
0: anthology is brought to us by, um, he used to be friend of the podcast before he came to <laughs> Chicago and didn't tell us. Remember? <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Oh, I remember. Dan Howarth of This Is Horror Fame is one of the co-editors of The Hyde Hotel, which is what we're reviewing this evening, alongside James Everington. It's just such a snooty sounding name,
1: isn't it, Everington? <laughs> it does sound a little, um, yeah, British. A little, yeah, it sounds very British. It does. It sounds very British and very well, like it should be uh, Duke James Everington. I know, right? Uh, yeah, so. <laughs> like if he caught us stealing a horse, he's going to cut our head off or something. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I, I yeah. think that's I think that's
0: acceptable in um, in the UK and in the South in the United States. Sure. Yeah.
1: So, but it's not a very southern name. So, no, no, it's not. All right. Um, already high praise for, for, our, for the editors of this book. So we're just dicks, I think, is what it comes down to, right?
0: Yeah, well, we've already, we've already gone into cultural sensitivity yeah. and that training yeah. I had to go take. So we, we've, already, we've already touched on that a little bit. I'm sure we'll get more into that as we, as we go through this book.
1: Um, here is a quick synopsis of The Hyde Hotel that we pulled off of Amazon. The Hyde Hotel welcomes you. The Hyde Hotel looks almost exactly as you'd expect it to. A faceless, budget hotel in a gray city you are just passing through. A hotel aimed at people traveling alone. A hotel where you know so little about your fellow guests that they could be anyone. And where, perhaps, so could you. But sometimes, things are hiding in plain sight. And not everyone who stays at the Hyde gets a good night's sleep. Featuring stories about the guests and staff of the Hyde Hotel from Simon Bestwick, Ray Clooley, Alex Davis, Kate Gardner, VH Leslie, Allison Littlewood, Amelia Mangan, SP Miskowski, Ian Rowan, Mark West, and the editors. Enjoy your stay. And the editors. That's a big thing. And the editors. And the editors. Yeah. We, um we're gonna so it's been
0: a long time right since we did an an actual anthology so in true classic fashion what we're gonna do is we each pick three stories we're going to talk about these stories these are our standout stories and and uh, i don't know i don't rob and i talked a little bit about this before the the podcast i don't know that there's a clear anthology winner i personally think there's a clear anthology winner but we'll, we'll see we'll talk it through this might be the first time we don't declare one story um to have risen above all of them at least not you know not both of us agreeing on one
1: yeah it is a little bit unusual so we'll see how things uh, shake out um before we go into um listing off our standoff... Standout? stand out standoff like <laughs> some standoffish <laughs> stories in here too i guess <laughs> they're some british really standoffish story yeah they are yeah. british so it's not just like they can just chill and be nice about shit they got to be standoffish um that is one thing that is important to know about this this book is um intended to be a british hotel, and all except for one of the authors is British, so it's got a very British feel to it. Did you know this, Livius? I um I did notice,
0: and I, I don't... <laughs> no, no, and I did recall at one point there was a story, and the, the, the person in the story, the actual character, was from the United States, right? Yep. That has to be the, the U.S. Yes. Author. Yeah. Although I did not know they were all British. It did definitely feel that way in that one story. I thought,
1: this is written, this might not be written by someone who's British. I was I was very careful with that one because I was trying to nitpick the writing just in case it was a British person writing as American because I wanted to tear it apart. But um, having listened to This is Horror, Michael interviewed Dan and James, the editors, about the book, and they confirmed that uh, S.P. Miskowski, who wrote Lost and Found, which is a story about someone from America, is actually not a British author. And is also a woman, I believe. There's a lot of women writers in this. Yeah,
0: well, and well, oddly enough, it, yes, there did seem to be a, a good amount. But I looked through the there are two or is it three with initials, and I had to look through their bios to kind of Yeah. Yeah. So, to, yeah. so let's uh let's get into this, Rob.
1: You want to go uh with your first standout story? Um yeah, I will go and I'm not going to go in any specific order. I'm going to try to keep it Okay. Um I'm just going to go in the order I chose them. The first one I'm going to go with is a story called Lost and Found by S.P. Makowski. It may have come up 45 seconds ago. Um, Essentially, this is a story of a a woman who travels to, specifically travels um, to the Hyde Hotel because um, an author that she discovered uh, and who later became one of her favorite authors um, grew up and later wrote books in the hotel. So it was kind of a... um, a trip to, you know, experience the, uh, the, you know, the same places that this author grew up in and stuff like that. It was kind of a fanboy trip.
0: It, it was, and I, and I thought it was done very well. Oddly, it was a, um, like, it seemed like nobody really knew who that author was. Like, it was kind of a very small author that she was following. Yeah. Like, even the people in the hotel didn't know who she was. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I like that. It was, it, it was a very lonely story. Yeah, that woman even talks about like talking to her coworkers who go to like all these places, all these cool places on vacation, and this is like what she's doing with her time. So uh, yeah. it was a little it was a little on the sad side, but definitely definitely enjoyable. Um definitely enjoyable story. I
1: really like that one. Yeah, I just like that it didn't take the the typical approach of um, you know, gore or you know, thriller or anything. The real kind of scary part of this is just like like an eventual slide into sadness and, and almost like not caring. Right. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's like your ambition is just kind of slowly being shut down and that's kind of creepy in and of itself. Um, especially, and I don't want to spoil the ending the way that the story ends. Um, so that's what I really liked about it is it just was a very unique take on being a horror story, especially in a theme of a book like this, where all the books, all the stories take place in the same hotel. Um, I'm sure it was a big challenge to stand out and do something different. So that's what I, d- I dug about this this one.
0: All right. My um, my first standout story that I'm going to talk about is actually the book end. Um, the end of the book. The book ender. I don't know. Does that make sense? I don't know. Whatever. It's last last story in the book, which is called The Blue Room by B.H. Leslie. Um, this one was... <sighs> i i think it was probably to me the the scariest of them um it's the woman she checks into the hyde hotel she's super impressed with her room that is all blue um you know different shades of blue and stuff but far more than what she expected and of course like any good you know horror story she gets more than than she expected she um uh, is is a little creeped out by this painting on the wall and, and she kinda runs into this weird person at the park and then she's seeing things in her room and all in all um was my favorite story from the horror aspect, I guess, if I could say that. Like it was it was the creepiest
1: story in my opinion and very, very enjoyable. Yeah, it was definitely um one one that I liked more. The whole blue thing. Blue is my favorite color. Um but also um it was approached from the perspective of this person had knowledge of color going back to um, painting and art. Mm-hmm. And um, so it kind of reminded me of uh, Sacre Blue, the Christopher Moore yes. book, which spent a lot of time talking about the origin and the, the importance of the color blue in painting. So um, it gained a little bit of my respect for, for following those lines. For following Chris for more. Not following him, but, you know, know. being know. of the same... Fuck you, Livius. <laughs> <laughs> you gain no respect of mine. I know. Listen, I lose it every week. Every and the listeners, yep. single week. Um, what do you got next, bud? <laughs> um, the second one I want to talk about is called Wrath of the Deep by Simon Bestwick. And um, essentially... <laughs> I really it's this is gonna be a little bit difficult to describe because it's more of like a sea monster story than anything. Um but this guy's hired to um retrieve something that was was stolen from the guy that hired him and also kill the guy that stole it. So the actual meetup, the actual first encounter between our I guess Hitman and the thief takes place in the hotel that's right along the sea um but uh a lot of the scary stuff actually takes place uh waterside and um essentially the thing that was stolen has deep ties to some creepy sea stuff that uh that may also have claim to and want to get that back so there's almost like a the guy that owns it wants it back um the, the guy that's the killer wants to get it from the guy that owns it, but then there's also like some sort of draw from this supernatural thing in the sea that's uh, playing into the story, too. It was, a, it was kind of a big story for how small it was, um, but just really weird, and I, I dug it a lot. It was uh, the most action-y, I think, of the stories.
0: Yeah, yeah um, definitely. And it would have been perfect in the Midnight Movie Creature feature, the T.W. Brown anthology yeah. we read like three years ago. That's the one that really stood out as it could have been part of that collection as easily as it was part of this.
1: Yeah, much more of a monster story for sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. All right, the second story I'm going to talk about is by
0: Kate Gardner and it's called The Coyote Corporation's Misplaced Song. And um this this was uh this was straight up bizarro. This was this was a weird story about a guy who um checks into the hotel and he's a little nuts and he's carrying a bomb, and when I say a bomb, he's carrying like one of those Acme Corporation Bombs from the the Roadrunner. So as indicated in the in, in the in the title a little bit. Um, this is definitely a, a take on the Roadrunner and Wiley e. Coyote. The the character's name, although I don't have it handy, his initials, uh, he has four names and, and it's A C M E are the initials. And there was this crazy little story about this guy who was terrified of these three children who teased him when he was a child, even though he's an old man now. <laughs> And he's in this hotel room with this bomb, and the bomb thinks it's a six-year-old. It's just absolutely batshit crazy,
1: um, but so much fun to read. Yeah, that that story was nuts. I don't really know what to say about that story, except for that it was nuts. I'm going to,
0: yes, that, that is an <laughs> adequate, that's yes, accurate. That was an accurate. Um, do you know DJ Khalid is? Um, I know the name. Uh, okay, so there's a video you've got to look up, because I'm having trouble saying the word act. See, I almost did it again. Accurate. Because I keep wanting to say accurate, which is how he says it. (laughs) It's a long thing. I'll I'll send you a link to the video. Okay.
1: (laughs) Um, Yeah, weird, weird, weird story. Um, Round it out, buddy. All right. So the third one I want to talk about is called Housekeeping by Ray Cluley. This was a really short one. Um, And it more seemed like to me if we were to really look at a story that built into the definition of the hotel, like this was one of them. Cause um, essentially it's about this housekeeper who is kind of making her rounds. And w- there's one room where there's a note that had slipped out into the hallway from the room. Um, and this is at the beginning of the story. So it's not a spoiler. Like the note says I've killed myself. And um, then there's like, you know, yeah, basically it, it, I thought it was kind of cool. Cause the note basically said, you know, you don't have to deal with this and go talk to your manager. Cause like, he doesn't want the housekeeper to have to like go through the trauma. And fuck that guy. Do you know what kind of shit the manager has to deal with all the time? <laughs> oh man, Livius, of course you're identifying with the
0: manager. I am identifying with the manager. A guy <laughs> who's not even in the story and I'm identifying with him.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, that's how good this story is. It's making you identify with people who didn't even exist in the story. Um, So, uh, But she breaks in the door. Well, she doesn't break in, but she goes in the door anyway and um, discovers his um, suicide note. And there's kind of some graphic uh, description of the dead guy and um, some hints at what he wrote in the suicide note. And that's all I'm going to say because it's a really short story, Um, but really, really well put together. And it really just painted a a very stark, very quick, harsh picture of, of what, you know, you may actually experience if you were a housekeeper and had to run into something like that, um, which reminds me, I'm, dry- <laughs> this is like, uh, I don't know, like five or six years ago, I was helping someone move in the city, and we were driving from one place to another, and we drove past this hotel, and, um, he's like, yeah, that's the hotel where the housekeeper found, like, two dead bodies in the closet, and I was like, I would never want to be A hotel housekeeper, especially this was on. um, Oh, you'll probably know, like right at, um, right at the end of Lakeshore Drive, Livius, Mm -hmm. up in like Edgewater, okay, by like Hollywood Avenue and stuff. Gotcha. So, not sketchy, but not not sketchy. (laughs) So, yeah, no thanks. (laughs) If that's that's the only reason
0: that you don't want to be, I mean, no (laughs) no offense to hotel housekeepers who listen to the show. But I just, all I can think of is the amount of bodily fluids that they have to oh, come yeah. into contact with on a on a regular basis. Can I also tell you, when we first talked about doing this book, I thought that, it, you know, it was the Hyde Hotel. And I expected a very different kind of hotel, like the kind you pay by the hour. But I realized yeah. it was spelled H-Y-D-E. And uh, <laughs> it's not exactly, well, after some of the other stuff we've reviewed. I don't right, know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. my uh, my third and final and I'm going to say that you know although the other two were in no particular order this one is the fourth story in the collection and I already knew this was my favorite story as soon as I finished it I didn't even have to read the other 6 7 whatever it is after that to know that, to know that this was uh, going to be my favorite Amelia Mangans the Edifice of Dust um this is a story about a a woman who has kind of taken refuge in the Hyde Hotel she's an architect who's um one of her more recent I guess buildings collapsed and killed a bunch of people so she's kind of questioning you know her ability and she's kind of I don't know, become a little reclusive but she has a special ability when it comes to designing and or redesigning buildings um, which was super 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 cool um but more so what I liked about it was the even know how to say this like the dealings with dust like her talking about dust and how dust is made up of just human skin and how she's becoming the dust I mean there's like a whole bunch of kind of deterioration through time um talk in there and uh
1: easily easily my favorite uh my favorite story in this book easily I received that text and I was like oh man I can't wait to read this because Livius when Livius makes a strong call like that there's a reason for it and it is, I mean, it is a really strong story, I will say. Absolutely, I agree. I followed, in case Amelia is
0: listening, um, you, you'll know if you go back through your your emails, or your Twitter notifications, when I followed you it was about four minutes after I finished <laughs> reading the story. Like, I made notes on what the story was about, and then I was like, I'm going to find this lady on Twitter. So I am actually going to be uh, looking for some more of uh, Amelia's stuff to read.
1: I want to point out, Livia, that all three of the stories you chose are written by women. I
0: know, I know, and that's uh, that's uh, that's very that's very modern of me.
1: <laughs> that's the most like feminist you've ever been.
0: That's and that's it. That's I've I packed it in for the year now. So that's it. you got, got it right it, out got of the way, right <laughs> yeah, <Yep>. got, got <laughs> done with it.
1: That's good. Now let's talk about a couple things. First of all, I want to point out um, that we did have contributions from both editors in the store in the book. So Dan Howard's story, Tick Box. Uh, is one of the stories in the book about a hitman that uh, is holing up at the uh, the hotel, um, which was a good story. This is the first thing i read from Dan, and um, definitely a really good story. Um, I think the thing that drew me away from calling it one of my top three was it was more crime and less horror to me, although it did kind of have a really suffocating, like I can't escape this fate kind of end to it, which I thought was really good.
0: You bring up an interesting point, and and I guess I didn't look at it on on um, Amazon, but I mean, is this even billed as a as a horror novel? Oh, is it not? Or I mean, is that, I'm sorry, not <laughs> not a novel. I mean, I guess a horror anthology. anthology. But yeah, I don't. I'm gonna see where it's categorized. I've got it pulled up now, hmm. and I got Can I just tell you too? This thing clocks in 168 pages, and it did not feel like that small of a book. Yeah, it felt a lot bigger. Yeah. In a good way, not in a bad way.
1: Right, right. Yeah, yeah, it's in, yeah, it's in horror. It's in horror, yeah. yeah. So, that's kind of one of the reasons. Had this been a crime, you know, a crime fiction uh, anthology, I think Dan's book would have climbed a little bit higher for me. But I'm looking for the Creepy Crawlies, and, and um, well, his did, like I said, it had that really claustrophobic end to it. Um, uh I don't know. I think the other one stepped above it, at least for me.
0: Not only did Dan um, contribute, but James Everington, the other um, editor, he did the the intro and the outro to the book, which... um Rob pointed out what he really liked about it was you know that it was done in in second person you know you're doing this you're doing that but I, Rob and I talked about this and some of the similarities in these stories we we felt that there was probably some guidelines given to to the authors and and as we've been talking about it, the more I thought about it I think that he gave them the intro and the in the outro
1: and said here's your guidelines See I don't know about that because so um what we noticed uh that there were there was kind of a thread of of things that happened throughout um the stories like the you know uh, for example for the most part the rooms were small and un- unsatisfactory rooms um interaction with the help was you know spotty sometimes not that great sometimes okay food was pretty much consistently a problem so there was always like these things um the carpet the carpet was a big theme don't don't forget that uh, in a few of the stories
0: at least i think 3 minimum the the people did have trouble finding it like everyone knew of the
1: hotel yeah but could never give people give like different types of directions to it yeah the actual location its actual physical description um the actual floor plan and layout which i guess um in your your favorite story that was that was played on really large Mm -hmm. um not necessarily the same where people remembered things differently than they saw them later so a big theme like that um where a lot of the stories did very similar things, but in reading the beginning, the checking-in part, to me it sounded like, you know, um, one story may have this big luxurious suite that was amazing, and another story might have a really shitty, crappy room, you know? But it seemed like there was, despite that kind of expectation of anything goes, it seemed like there was still a big theme of the experience throughout all of them. So I kind of... I don't know. I feel like the opposite way about it. Interesting.
0: I will say that, um, and maybe we'll talk about this a little bit later. But since Rob and I have an experience with a haunted hotel, I think our insight is more valuable than that of anybody else.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, always, <laughs> but oh. I do want to say that the the second person approach for the check in and check out was great because, especially in the checking in part, because um, that puts me right in this in this it puts me personally in the experience and it puts me into this situation where again, anything goes and I don't know what to expect and it's difficult to tell what's real and what's not. So, um, if you wanted, I I don't know if I could think of a better way to start the book that was really well executed.
0: One clever too, because the hotel stay is bookended by exactly those things. So it was, it was a clever addition to a anthology about a hotel. Um, the one takeaway that I had is that, um, if you kill your spouse, you have to go stay at a hotel as was evidenced in a few of these stories. Yeah. Good number. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't know that that's what you're supposed to do. If I'm ever in that position, you'd have to have a spouse first. Well, yeah, but that's, I would go and Yeah, that's right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) If I'm ever in that position, I know I have to check into a hotel. (laughs) Um, So we don't, um, we're not going to do quotes um, this time because we have a lot of other stuff to cover. Um, Although there is a lot of stuff that's quote worthy, but, I will say that this is the first time I've read a book that I have read this, and this is from the, like, legal page in the beginning of the book. The rights of James Everington and Dan Howarth to be identified as the authors of this work have been asserted by them in accordance with Copyright Designs and Patents Act of 1988. A, I don't think we assert enough things about ourselves. B, <laughs> this kind of sounded a little bit like one of those Facebook posts that, like, your crazy aunt posts. <laughs> We're about like, how nobody can read what right. I have on
1: here because I own the copyright, as I have asserted myself to be the person who wrote these words. Yeah. Yeah. It's like in the American office when Michael declares bankruptcy by yelling out, I declare bankruptcy. Exactly. Exactly yeah. like that. So uh, so that's. Uh, you ready to wrap this one up? <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't think we're going to have an anthology winner, buddy. I, don't think it's I know, anything. and I'm very sad. I was hoping to bend you to my will.
0: So, you know, if it, if it matters, if it matters at all, um, I, I, uh, Amelia, you're my anthology winner. Um,
1: yeah, well, you know what? It's a new year. <laughs> new year, new things. No, no anthology winner. I just can't. I mean, it's not that I don't agree that it's a good story. Um, oh no, I do. I just yep. don't feel strong so strongly about one over another. Um so yeah, apologies, but um yeah, I'll start I'll do a I'll do a quick wrap up. So uh I heard of this anthology through of course this is horror. Um Dan Howarth is one of the co-hosts of that. Um and also very heavily involved on the this is horror website. Um so I heard of it through the episode where Michael rev- uh not reviewed but interviewed Uh, the two editors. So I got to hear beforehand kind of what the idea was and what went into preparing the authors for it and everything. So it was kind of interesting to hear the idea, and that's really what sold me on it. So um, I was excited to read it, and um, I think they could have stood to make it a little bit longer. Um, I'm sure that one of the challenges was finding enough British authors who were willing to do an original story about a hotel, right? You know what I'm saying? I enough British authors in general, yeah, cuz there's only 250,000 of them. Um which is weird because they saw this thing about how they were trying to keep um Donald Trump out of out of the country and there was a petition that had like 500,000 something signed and I'm like, well obviously that's fake cuz there's only 250,000. Kind of, yeah, it's very Chicago of them. <laughs> um so yeah, I think that um but the people that they pulled together were were excellent. Um, the three stories I chose I thought were completely standout, and the ones that Livius chose as well were great. Um, everything had its nice uh, contribution to the overall story, and I liked how there was little threads of similarity and even sometimes characters or moments that, uh, that uh, were shared between stories. Well executed, that second-person intro and then the second-person outro, I thought was just a great way to um, tie it all together, and um, it, it was a unique enough, although we'll probably go into things that I thought, Olivia and I thought of, that were hotel-related in, in a couple minutes, um, I thought it was a unique approach to an anthology, and I thought it was well done, so I'm going to go ahead and give it three and a half stars. All right, I agree with um, pretty much everything Rob said.
0: Uh, I did like that there was some similarities between stories because if you're, your setting is the same place and you're kind of going for the same feel, but what I really liked were some of the stories that were very different. Um, it... it <sighs> Some of what I like about this book is that it reminded me of things, you know, so it reminded me that hundreds and hundreds of people have stayed in a hotel room and some for fun and some under duress and that each one of those rooms, not necessarily that they have their own particular history in that room, but that there has been a lot of emotion um, passed through um, a hotel room more so than a house where a family might live there 10 to 20 years, you know, and then it gets turned over in that period of time. Thousands of people can stay in one hotel room, so it's a. it it's a really interesting concept and uh, i applaud um the authors that that were able to put together uh, a book even though some of the stories are very varied the feel to a lot of them was was very similar um overall kind of a creepy feel now i read 75% of this book while listening to um like horror themed um uh um instrumental music not anything um specifically yeah, uh, you know, not like a soundtrack or anything, but I was listening to is it. Is it Dox Arcana? Rock's Arcana? I can probably pull this up. I, uh, it, Nox Arcana. I listen to Grim Tales and The Dark Tower, um, which are mostly instrumental albums that are horror. Like, you know, sound like something that would launch a new Dracula movie. So I don't know if that put me in, in kind of a little bit of the creepy mood for some of this. Um, yeah, definitely some standout stories all in all, there was only one story I didn't really get, and the odd part was I really liked that story, but I didn't get its outcome um other than that i I, I felt like I connected with uh with with them uh, on different levels, but at least connected in some way with with all of them. um yeah, I was really surprised to see it's only one hundred and sixty eight pages. It felt bigger than that, but I think Rob's right. I think this could have uh that this could have stood to have a few more stories in it. But all in all, I like it, and I, I may have found another favorite author in this, so I'm going to go ahead and give it uh, four stars. Boom, four stars. Despite how many women were in it. Despite.
1: Oh, well, yeah, you had to wasn't get that. I wasn't done with my, wasn't done yeah.
0: with my
1: wrap-up. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Sorry. A- all right. So thanks to Dan Howarth, James Everington, and all of the authors for starting off our year with an anthology. Really excited about that. We're back. We're back with anthologies, buddy.
0: I know we're going to do at least one more this year.
1: Uh, is it besides the Soul Standard? Because that's more like a...
0: Yeah, besides the Soul Standard, we have a light commitment to do something Amanda Gowan is appearing in.
1: Oh, right. We do. We do. All right. More to, more on that as 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 it comes. Yep. But before we move away from kind of the idea of hotel horror, I thought of a few things, and I think you did too, that we could kind of talk about that. That that, you know, are of the same kind of vein or theme, right? Mm-hmm. So
0: we reviewed the Elvis Room by Stephen Graham Jones. I don't know, a year ago, maybe a little more than that. Yeah. Yeah. Which was definitely hotel-themed horror done done right. Um, very enjoyable and super super creepy stuff. They're also brought to us, um, you know, sort of from 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 Great Britain in that this is horror published that chapbook.
1: Yeah. So seeing a theme here, this is horror is all about the hotel horror. Um, it's all those fuckers do is travel. Apparently pictures. Have you seen of Michael Wilson in different countries? Yeah. He's always standing in front of some body of water looking like he mm. just like, like ended his shift at a like bartending, right? <laughs> looking, looking <laughs> like he just threw an amulet into the ocean. Right. Exactly. Uh, yeah. In fear. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, that was really good. And, um, if anybody, First of all, you should read The Elvis Room 100% and everything by Stephen Graham Jones. But also, go to This Is Horror. They have a um, an episode of their podcast where Stephen Graham Jones talks about The Elvis Room and other things. And so hearing him, and I think we did. Didn't we interview him after that? We did. We did, absolutely. Why am I not? Why am I shilling for other people here? Go listen to our episodes with Stephen Graham Jones. But his insights into what made him write a very creepy story about hotels was interesting because he travels a lot so it's from a personal that's what i love about stephen graham jones he's like scared about something and then he writes like the ultimate version of that thing so it's almost like he brings his fears to life Mm -hmm. it's it's amazing yep he is definitely something
0: and i i think we'll be reviewing mongrels here in the near future too asap Um, The next one on the list, I guess, we should talk about is is kind of the the granddaddy of all hotel horror, right? The Shining. Uh,
1: You probably had a... (laughs) I never had a good experience with The Shining, but um, because it came to me so late in life, and I already had a bad opinion of Stephen King, but did you have, like, a good interaction with The Shining? Was that something that was like foundational, fundamental to your younger years?
0: Um... A little bit, but in, in a very different way. So The Shining I saw um, in a movie theater. So you can probably look up what year that was. Oh, my God. We should probably... Okay. So um, I, I think I've mentioned on the podcast before some of the questionable parenting that I was subjected to. <laughs> um, but, I'll, but I'll go into it now. My mom used to um, take me to the movies, which is fucking just awesome and so cool. And I look forward to it. But we would always go to, like, the second-run theater. 1980. It was, like, a book. Yeah, a book. So I was eight when I saw The Shining. <laughs> okay. <laughs> The thing was, they played one movie, and we didn't even know what movie it was till like we basically got there. <laughs> so I, I saw Among Us amongst other things like the first Die Hard movie. Or no, I'm sorry, I take God Die Hard, um, um, no, which no, hold Alan on, Rickman. Hold on. Yes, yes, God yeah. rest his soul. Um, oh
1: God damn it! What is the Charles Bronson movie? Oh, um, um, the wait a minute, uh, Death Wish. Death Wish. Yeah. yeah like yeah. where his
0: like, daughter's raped and he goes out and brutally yeah. murders like everybody. So I saw that. I saw The Shining. I saw a bunch of shit that no eight year old should see. <laughs> and um, so was it formative? Yeah, looking back, it, it might have been. Um, I didn't read The Shining. Tra- traumatizing. Yeah, until um, whatever it was last year or whatever, before we read the sequel to The Shining. Mm. I crammed reading that book in. I did read a lot of Stephen King in my early and mid teen years, but um, because I'd seen the movie, like if I've seen a movie, I typically don't read the book. Yeah, Um, that's only happened a few times, so um, I I always stayed away from The Shining and Christine and Cujo because I'd seen the movies and Pet Sematary. But I did pretty much read all the other Stephen King that I hadn't seen. Um, So yeah, as a book, it was still pretty enjoyable. I mean, in my you know fucking my forties, I liked it.
1: It was it was it was a good book. Well, maybe I just didn't like the audio book of it. I don't know. But anyway. Um, that's a big hotel horror one. I think that, that probably was formative to a lot of um settings that happen in hotels later on in life. Um even to a degree, uh American Horror Story's latest season, Hotel, um, I think borrowed in many ways from uh, the Shining or attribute it, you know, mm-hmm. um, there was a tribute or an homage to, you know, different parts of of the Shining in there, like the creepy kids at the end of the hall and shit like that. Mm-hmm. The, some things you just kind of have to do. Um, and um, that did you did you? Olivia's? No, no, I'm still on episode one. Oh, God, you're just I'm fucking, th- I'm, you're killing. I'm dying inside. I, I'm not moved forward from episode <laughs> one. I keep saying I'm going to and I will soon such an excellent if anybody's been a follower of american horror story and has not seen this season it is by far the best season and um just like i know i've talked about it before so i won't spend a lot of time on it but man just so well done and such scary moments but also dramatic moments and stuff like that and oddly touching moments um so great horror tied to a hotel and it's got everything from vampires to ghosts to serial killers you know there's pretty much anything you could hope for it's really good i'm gonna let rob talk about this last one because i i i know what it is but i know (laughs) nothing about it so i'm gonna push this back over to you well i was thinking about all right so i was thinking about things that happen in hotels and so you've never seen it then is what you're saying that is correct yes i have not seen it um I was, thinking, I was just thinking anything in my memory that, uh, that takes place in a hotel and uh, in 1995. I'm going to IMDb right now. That's why I know the year. Um, it's not necessarily horror, but there was a movie that came out called Four Rooms. And the idea was four different directors. Um, each, each has one quarter of the movie, basically. And so they each wrote, it's almost like an antholo- anthological movie. And their, their stories kind of intertwine a little bit, but their own they're their own separate stories. And um, Tim Roth plays a bellhop, and he's kind of the character that is consistent throughout all of them. Um, but Four Rooms is definitely like... There's, in one of them, the Robert Rodriguez one, the kids discover a dead body inside the mattress. And um, in another one, they're doing this kind of... I don't even know how to explain it, but like... Um, like a bet slash dare kind of thing where you know if you uh someone's gonna cut someone's finger out, I don't know, but anyway like so it's it's not horror, but it is in that kind of genre that realm of like weird shit happening in a hotel. is this a recommendation uh I wouldn't highly recommend it, it's weird, and i'm I'm really of all of them, I'd say that if you. Like, if you just watch the Tarantino one, of course, it's the last one of the four. Um, it's a good story. It's almost like kind of an urban legend kind of thing. Played out as a story. I thought it was pretty good. hate Robert Rodriguez, and um, for anybody who's younger, our younger listeners, the, the kids that were the main characters in that series of Spy Kids movies, this is their origin story. Like, this what happens in the hotel. So... Oh, that's kind of an interesting thing. I mean, I know what Spy Kids is.
0: I didn't see it, but I did not realize there was a tie-in. Yeah. And then we probably won't bore you with the details, but if you go back and you listen to the um, recording of the Frank Bill's release party, is that really? Yeah, I think that's what mm. it was, right? No, uh, it was the North of the Bar 2 release party. Oh, North of the Bar 2 release party from Corden, yeah. in Indiana. Yep. Uh, you'll hear Rob and I talk about our own haunted hotel story.
1: That shit was creepy, man, to this day. Yeah. What was that place called? The Hyde? <laughs> it was the Hyde Hotel. Shit, yeah. I never thought about that. <laughs> and it, it's made even even better by the fact that, like, if it was just Livius and I, it could be, like, that kind of group hysteria thing. Like, mm. we confuse each other into, you know, uh, believing something weird happened when nothing did. But entirely in um, independent of us, Matthew McBride was staying in the same hotel, and he had his own creepy experience, too. I'd like to report that Matthew McBride is alive and well, as evidenced by his (laughs) Twitter post from just days ago. Yeah, that was an exciting text I got from Livius while I was at work. Sorry I never replied to that, but um, I definitely got a little, uh, my nipples nipples got a little stiff from that.
0: (laughs) Did you also notice that that same thing that happened to us happened? In one of the stories, where the person is sure that the yeah. last time they came up, the room was on the other side.
1: Yeah, maybe they listened. That's. I'm going to go ahead and guess that they listened to our episode of the podcast, and that was the uh, that the inspiration. Could
0: well, that could very well be. So, um, all right, can we, <laughs> can we put hotels to rest? Can we, can we put the do not disturb sign up for a little bit? Oh, Talk about well, some other things, there. huh? Yeah.
1: Uh-huh. All, all
0: right. right. Um, by the time you're hearing this, <laughs> you will have already you would have already. Uh, Felt the Horror, but our first newsletter went out, and and, uh, oddly enough, I'm not a newsletter subscriber, so I don't really know what it looked like. Uh, Do you want me to forward that to you? Yeah, that would be great. I should probably sign up for this newsletter. I heard it's super easy to do, and that I'll get a free copy of the Booked Anthology in any digital format I'd like if I do so.
1: Hang on, I'm forwarding this live on the podcast. While Rob is a clicking away there um here's here's
0: ryan McCrae to tell you all about that newsletter and what he's been reading hi this is ryan McCrae, the marketing intern for the booked podcast i'm still working on the book hyperion
1: and i just started the mind's eye by dr oliver sacks so some people wrote in and said how do i read a nonfiction and fiction book um, i read nonfiction during the day and fiction right before bed that's my little method And the first newsletter got sent and indeed has a picture of Rob and Livius in a bathroom. So you don't want to miss out on stuff like that. So sign up at thebookedpodcast.com and you will get a copy of the Booked Anthology in all digital forms as well as an occasional newsletter with a great deal of nonsense. That's about it. And back to Rob and Livius.
0: I do believe that Ryan
1: promised a picture of all three of us in that bathroom. Like an episode or two ago. Am I wrong about that? You're not wrong. That's exactly what he said. He said the three of us in a bathroom and um this is definitely not for all of you newsletter people you can agree. Unless Ryan looks like a a hard black plastic circle attached to the wall. And the or if he's the guy in the background licking a guitar. I'm sorry, kissing a guitar. <laughs> Well, you've got you've apparently got the much larger version of this picture. I'm zooming in on the photo. Okay, there it is. Wow, yeah,
0: yeah. He lied. He's a liar. He did lie. He has removed himself from the evidence. Um, I I want to assure listeners that no matter how high I look in this picture, I do not get high, <laughs>
1: but I do look a little squinny-eyed. In this, you look, uh, in this photo. Yeah, I took that for fear. Like mine is mistrust, and yours looks like straight up fear.
0: Yeah, that could be. I that could be a, a frightened look. So, um, there you go. If you're not a news uh, newsletter subscriber, you will
1: never ever see that picture because it went out one time to the newsletter subscriber, so that's right. So, um yeah, I guess all of this is to say y- you might get weird random pictures of Lewis and I in bathrooms if you want. Uh <laughs> go to bookedpodcast.com and uh sign up. All you have to do is type an email address into a field and click submit and then your life will be filled enriched, I was I'm going to say. By pictures of Lilies and I in bathrooms.
0: Indeed.
1: All right. Next on the agenda,
0: um, and I'm going to call bullshit here again. So, I, I R- Rob, we're not nominated for a Bram Stoker Award, right, this year? Uh, no. All right. So I see this thing, this thing, and and I'm sure that that anybody who's a who's a writer or travels in the same circles of of some of the writers that we're going to mention saw it and maybe notice this. The preliminary ballot was released for the Bram Stoker Awards. There was a lot of cautioning going on not to refer to these people as nominees because this is a preliminary ballot. Yeah. Do
1: you, okay. Am I? Am I <laughs> Wait, I'm trying to figure out who you're pissed at because I think we're pissed at opposite sides of this thing. No, I'm kind of pissed at the Bram Stoker Award people. So what they're <laughs>
0: saying is, so here's, what was it, 10 in each category maybe? Yeah like here's the 10 finalists who could be Bram Stoker award nominees, but you can't just call them nominees at this point. Like it's a first round nomination. Like there had to be all kinds of cautioning that said things like, and I'm paraphrasing, so I'm not even going to pull it up, but it said do not refer to yourself as a nominee because people who vote for this, who are eligible to vote will see that and basically count it against you for calling yourself a nominee when you're not a nominee. Because really you're in round 1 of the not nominations. Like I don't I'm I'm my pretty spot on there.
1: I'm going to go ahead and say that this actually might be brilliant on the part of the stoker award people because if you think about it now um, anybody who is on that short list is just like they know who's dick they got to suck, right? I'm not sure that that's how you win the award but
0: I didn't read because after I got past the you're not a nominee I was so upset maybe that is me maybe that's the last line
1: <laughs> maybe it says alright guys you know who's dick you gotta suck well no I mean I don't think they said like now get out there and suck them dicks but like um, you know what I'm saying like it's almost like you could do a soft campaign where um, now you know that you're on that list Uh, you can be like hey you know Anybody looking to read my book, you know, like that kind of thing?
0: Oh, I saw, I saw some of that. I did, so, see, I did see a little bit of that happening.
1: Like, yeah, if you want, I mean, if you want to, if you want to have some awards and just be lazy, now you're making all the authors do the work to even like get your attention. You know what I'm saying? That's very true. I guess
0: I didn't think of it that way, but I will say that it was the most exciting <laughs> Bram Stoker non-fucking nominations that i've ever seen (laughs) yeah i I
1: didn't think of it that way either until i saw people doing that and i'm like oh shit well here we go with this they're not even nominees and you know what i'm saying (laughs) yeah um so let's uh let's call
0: out a big uh congratulations to a few people michael gonzalez man probably like a year one friend of this podcast um Nominated for a short story. I don't have pulled up because I'm boycotting. Not nominated. Not oh oh oh. Whoa. Not nominated. He is totally not nominated. Longlisted. Yes. Listed. I, I don't even think it's shortlisted. It's it's preliminary balloted.
1: Pre, he he got preliminated. Yeah, he's preliminated for for a Brom Stoker Award. So, um, congratulations, Michael Paul Gonzalez. Um yeah, and I saw that preliminated. For the novel category were um, two of our top books of 2015, Um, Skullcrack City, Jeremy Robert Johnson, and who, I don't know if you've noticed, but he's just like the most thankful person in the world that his book is getting the attention it is. is It's well-deserved. Yeah, um, definitely well-deserved. And our boy, Paul Mm Tremblay, Head Full of Ghosts, Um, I think we all knew that. Those two books were going places, so they are now preliminated as well. I just created a term. I'm really proud I of myself know. for that.
0: I mean, I I'm, I'm it's good to know that. I think that the Bram Stoker Preliminator
1: probably listens and took and took some cues from us. Oh yeah, we're doing all the work for. Them. There's so many fucking outlets and news things and zines and shit that I think we just do all the work for. This is this is a big one though, man. The Bram Stoker Awards is
0: fucking huge. So well, so are, are we. Well, yeah, but I meant for somebody who just does awards and doesn't do any work the rest of the year. Oh, oh, oh yeah,
1: oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right.
0: Yeah. So these are these are big boy awards. Um, <laughs> Richard Thomas's Press, Dark House Press for exigencies, um, which includes um, David James Keaton, Amanda Gowan, Axel Tiari. There may have been some other people in there. Um, so, guys, congratulations for being preliminated, um, and and for not being Bram Stoker Award nominees. Yeah. Congrats on not being nominated. Mm-hmm. So there will probably be another round of this where we bitch when when, when none of our people <laughs> <laughs> make get to the second round, or not all of them do, I should say. Um, but uh, kudos to you guys, man. that's that's huge, and we're, we're, we're very proud of all of you. That's right.
1: We Rob, love you don't people. sound
0: like you're, you don't sound like you're proud of them. You sound like you were just agreeing with me because I said it. Tell them tell them you're proud of them.
1: <laughs> guys, hang on, I'm going to lift the mic this is how the microphone's coming up off the I'm so proud of you. Oh, that was very that was very nice,
0: Rob. Is that so. good? All right. Hey speaking of awards, um, I've got I've got a new little a new little virtual graveyard <laughs> for all of those of you who did not vote um for uh, the This Is Horror Awards, specifically in the podcast of the year category.
1: Yeah. Um, we, we know who you are. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. As of four hours from the time we're recording this, four hours ago was the close mm-hmm. of the voting for the This Is Horror Awards and we took we took a different approach this year, where we kind of didn't say anything about it too much, right? That's yeah, yeah. We didn't really, we didn't really push it. Um. So, uh, yeah. If you didn't do it of your own accord and you were waiting for us to to beg, first of all, we were not too proud to beg, but we didn't beg this year. We begged a little at the end. Yeah, I mean like we remind I think it was like a polite nudge. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We were very that. we were very British with our approach this year. I'm gonna go ahead and say that. Mm-hmm.
0: Now um the the theme of this year, the the anthem of this year was <laughs> it's not about winning, it's about not losing. Yeah, yeah. So we we don't really need to be the podcast of the year winners, but fuck, we don't we can't be the losers. Right. So just remember that. Um yeah. I would imagine that Michael Wilson is on a beach somewhere in front of a body of water, counting up votes frantically right now, and that we'll have
1: results mid February, maybe. That motherfucker makes he takes forever with this. Like, we have to set him up with Survey Monkey. I know, like, or like a, give him a spreadsheet, hook him up with an in, <laughs> like, give him Ryan's email address. <laughs> <Do something, laughs> he man. needs another intern. So.
0: Um, so we're we're um we're somewhat excited to hear about the, the this is horror awards. We're excited about the Bram Stoker awards, and then other than that, you know the
1: Oscars, man. Yeah, um, I don't know, Olivia, how you treated this anthology. I think you might be on the side of all the Oscar outrage this year, right? <laughs> I am. I am. Not, no, I'm not. No,
0: I, I'm not. Um, I I don't. I I know Mad Max was nominated, which I wasn't a big fan of. But apparently there's all a bunch of white movies that I didn't see. Yeah. Black so, movies matter, Livius. Yeah. I, I did see um the Mad Max movie and I wasn't a huge fan. I don't even know what else is
1: nominated. I stay so out of touch with um Oscars are the movies, right? Yes. And then the Oscars M- are definitely the movies. Yes, Emmys are the television ones? Television, yes. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And then I'm, there's the Golden Globes, which I think does both. But isn't the Oscars also the Academy Awards? Yes. So that's kind of like Holland and the Netherlands are the same thing, right? Oscars and Academy Awards are the same thing? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I believe so.
0: Um yeah, I don't I don't
1: yeah. I don't I don't I never really care <laughs> about I'm really just trying to avoid talking about uh, the Oscars.
0: Yeah, I don't care. I don't I, I just I don't I don't care. I don't yeah, know. zero fucks. I don't care about that Pretty shit. Pretty much. So I was just trying to throw out awards, and I think all the other awards are up. Is there like a Victoria's Secret award? I know they have like a pageant thing or whatever. Is there an award
1: for that? Is there? I don't. I I'm, again, I'm at a loss. Like this is the thing. I I don't I don't know. So the purpose of the awards obviously is to recognize excellence. I understand that, but like as a consumer, it does not affect me in any way. It's not like I'm like oh this one won an Oscar. I'm still gonna watch Swordfish. For the third time this say, week. it's like it watch the same movies over and over again. I'm going to watch Pilgrim six times a month. Uh, the Oscars do not affect me in any way at all. Um, no, 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 they don't. Although awards, one thing I'd like to say, this is horror. I think there was, there was, um, and we may have mentioned this in another episode. I think one opportunity I wish we should have seen a book on the list for novel that didn't make it, which was experimental film.
0: Oh, yeah, well, and and that's, yeah, how did it not get nominated? I guess we didn't send in a nomination for it.
1: I think we read it so late in the year. But you know what? I think that the awards, there's, and I could be wrong about this, there might be hope for next year, because I think the awards go through sometime in November. So if her book came out late enough in the year, it's possible that it could be, it could qualify for a 2016 This Is Horror Award. And if that's the case, I'm going to campaign like hell for it. Well, hold on. Slow down there, buddy, because we have no idea
0: what's coming out this year.
1: I'm still going to... It's a great book. It is but a great you, book. I mean, you are correct. I should probably pump the brakes a little bit. So I, I love that where they're like, best movie of the year, and we're like, motherfucker, it's February. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like <laughs> calm down. <laughs> it's February. Although I did uh, post um, the picture of Rob Roberge's memoir, mm-hmm. and I said it might be in the running for book of the year for 2016, just on the look alone.
0: It is. It is a. It is a sexy looking book, and uh, we will be reviewing that as our first straight up nonfiction book. Uh, second. Yeah, I know, but that one was like, I don't know. I, I still get the feeling a lot of that was fictional.
1: It was prosy. Well, well, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I guess yeah. For anybody who did not does not understand, just from our mumbling at each other, what we're talking about, um, way back, I think it was episode six of the podcast or 16, there was a 6 involved um, we reviewed, In the Garden of Beasts uh, by Eric Larson which is a non-fiction book about the American ambassador to Germany during the rise of the Third Reich I'm amazed that you pulled all that right off the top of your head Um, you know, um, I don't know why oh, publication date for experimental (laughs) film January 22nd, 2016. What? Mm. It's. Did we get on we, that really early? We must have gotten on that early, but it also says November 17th, 2015, so maybe the Canadian release date was different. That could be. That's oh, awesome. well, there's hope. There is hope. Um, <laughs> I'm all over the place. I
0: apologize. That's, that's all right. Um, so two other things we want to talk about. First of all, I want to tell you that next week's review... I actually thought Rob was serious, and it was almost going to be diapering my rich husband. <laughs> and that is, and, and and maybe someone can help me out with this, ABDL age play diapers. So I get age play, right, because it's someone pretending to be younger or whatever, because they're diapering right. them. And I get the diapers part. What's ABDL? ABDL. Adult... Batying? Oh, hold on! diaper well, it's a clinic yeah so rosie's hu- i'm sorry rosie rose's husband is an extremely wealthy and that's in bold print by the way lawyer she knows he's been seeing a doctor but what she doesn't know is that her husband has been attending an abdl clinic where all of his fantasies come true abdl clinic i guess we could google abdl You're gonna
1: Google it so that I don't have to deal with this. The first thing they said, it tried to (laughs) autocorrect to "oh, adult baby diaper lover." I was so close. I said "adult" and then "baby," Mm -hmm. and then I said "diaper." L would have completely eluded me though. Well, let's see what kind of tweets get hashtagged with ABDL. Okay. The reason that this came up is, uh, again, I'm on Facebook. I'm part of that free Kindle ebook uh, group, Mm -hmm. and. The weirdest stuff, and now I don't want to leave it because, like, it is. I I would never imagine that this was even a thing. If it didn't show up in my newsfeed. Oh
0: my god! I didn't hear a word you said. <laughs> I don't want to click on this link, but I will if you go to it.
1: <laughs>
0: what am I doing? What do you? U k diapergirls dot com. Oh god. That's like the fourth tweet that came up. I'm
1: clicking. Why is it .com if it's UK Diaper Girls? I don't know. Am I being too nitpicky about
0: this? You are being nitpicky. All right. Must be 18, 21, or 23 in some areas to view this website. You choose to view this website entirely of your own free will. (laughs) All right. I'm already (laughs) leaving this website. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah, because you're not doing it of your own free will. I am not. View all videos and photos. Let's see. All right. So this first one says, Lucy arrives home in a very wet Snuggies diaper. Realizing the time, Lucy remembers about a work meeting, so gets undressed, straightens her hair before changing into a fresh diaper and work dress. Would you like, and there's a dot, dot, dot. And yep, there are still pictures of a woman wearing a
1: very large diaper. Yeah, that, I, I saw two photos and I had to, I had to close the, I couldn't, I'm sorry, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Okay, that's this is yeah, it just, well, just gets worse and worse.
0: Okay. Um, but um, some of the tweets I'd love to take someone home, take their pants off, and find them wearing a diaper. Hashtag abdl <laughs> sleepy after my nap, but ready for, ready for more cartoons. I love Sundays. Hashtag abdl. Hashtag age play. Um, saw our elderly neighbor carry some depends in the house. Wish I could tell her there are better diapers. Hashtag incontinent. Hashtag bedwetter. Hashtag
1: ABTL. <laughs> oh.
0: oh, this is wonderful. I, I, We talked off the podcast a little bit about our, our, our possible second podcast <laughs> where we just talk about people's fetishes. And every week I think it's a better and better idea.
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> The weird thing to me is that like these people are tweeting it like everybody else in the universe is just like yeah I get it too man. There's probably oh, better diapers. There's, there's
0: one oh I gotta find it where someone's talking about trying to get the hashtag trending. <laughs> like that's ever gonna happen. No. the fuck is it? Okay, retweet if you want to see hashtag <laughs> abdl trend on Twitter. Like if you think it's a bad idea. Does this kind of thing work anymore? That's what it actually says. Oh god. Oh, that's, uh, oh, fursona adult pacifier clips are open for order once again on Etsy. <laughs> what is baby fur? God damn it. Oh, I God. Have... <laughs> just, oh, no, God. just stop. <laughs> I'm done. Just All right. stop. <laughs> Moving along from one <laughs> shitty idea to another. The
1: fact that what is baby fur came out of your mouth. <laughs>
0: It was a hashtag for baby fur. Uh, uh, yep, that's we have episode one of the I don't know. What what would we come up with we come up with I don't even remember if we can't put the name. We should probably not talk about fetished. will be baby fur, apparently. From
1: oh God. Oh God. this comes
0: up from time to time and we haven't talked about it in a while, but on our website is a contact form that we encourage <laughs> people to not use. Me right do. in the contact form. And, uh, Rob forwarded me three, three different people. I, I take that back Two people that use the contact form. One was something that was submitted through, um, through Ryan, our marketing intern. So, um, this is, this is great stuff here. Uh, let me pull up the first one. Contact us, uh, Drake Vaughn. And here's how the emails come over. It says name. We won't read Drake Vaughn <laughs> email. We won't reply to, and it's Drake Vaughn's email and comment. We won't read. Um, Hi, guys. Love the podcast. One of my favorite episodes is when you reviewed Bird Box. And since then, I've become a huge Mallerman fan. I'm a horror author with a new book, When the Devil Climbs, from an indie press. I'm interested in running the gauntlet with you two and would like to submit a copy of my book for your review. I can be contacted through the above email or through my agent, Melissa Carrague. Thanks for the opportunity. And then at the bottom it says, book we won't review, When the Devil Climbs. So... um, Well, there, we we mentioned it, Um, Drake. If there's anybody who does want to read that book and get back to us on it, um,
1: you know, by all means. Um, I think I want to say expectations were properly set. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, percent chance Drake is this person's actual name. I mean, there are people named Drake, right? Yeah, the hotline bling guy. You don't know what I'm talking about. No, no, I got nothing. <laughs> really? Mm-hmm. Oh, you haven't made it to that that, uh, that episode of American Horror Story Hotel yet. Do you want to get you want a little taste of Hotline Bling? Sure. You loving it already? This is the worst thing I've ever yeah. heard. This Is this how you're <laughs> encouraging me to watch this show? You used to call me on my cell phone. <laughs> this is this is this is this is the drake guy whose fame came from black people twitter right <laughs> um i mean he's a he's a he's a artist a musician oh is he because i just see him yeah. on black people twitter a lot i didn't know he was actually famous for yeah, something else. he's legit he's always crying so, um really i don't know much about drake Outside of Hotline Bling, to be hundred percent honest, but it works so well in that fucking episode of American Horror Story. It's weird.
0: I um this this next one came from Ryan, and this this one had me really confused at first because Rob is forwarding these emails to me. I start scrolling, and I just see my name a lot in this email, like <laughs> a lot. Well, you know, like it's something recognizable, like your name. It kind of jumps off the page at you. Yep. Um, there is only ever room for one live on this podcast. So, um, uh, Liv Hayden, Hadden, who, Hadden, yeah, who is not the person who actually contact us. It's a uh, Sammy who is the uh, publish system, I'm guessing. Um, yeah, unfortunately, um, we, if you, even though you're a young, credible author, um, the only room for one live. So in the event that you're also named Liv and writing a book, we cannot review it. It would be way too confusing for the podcast.
1: Right. So, um. Do you want to know where I think this would fall apart for you anyway? Hmm. Um, I'm reading through the description of the book, and it says, Live also sheds light on heavier issues like bullying, gender fluidity, and sexuality. And although dark in nature, the message of the book is clear, that revenge isn't simple or worth it. None of that really gels with you at all.
0: No, but I did go to this young lady's website, and I think she has a giant tattoo on her chest.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Is it of the Booked logo? Because that would definitely get you a review. Yeah, yeah, that would. Yeah,
0: that, I take back what I said. There could be room for a second live on the podcast. Um, no, I can't really tell what it is. I, maybe it's just a really high neck T-shirt. I don't know. But I don't know. Rob, where do you stand on chest tattoos on women? Um, I would not stand
1: on one of their chest tattoos. So yeah, I'm not sure if that's what it is. It looks like that's what it is. You're, you're, you're on the same page as me. Yeah. It's okay. uh, Know Thyself. Is it? She's blonde. She's got a pierced nose. Yes, the problem is I'm looking at my phone, and, and you're looking at it on a screen that's
0: bigger, so I can't see. It's like a mobile page, so I can't enlarge at all. Sure. Yeah, And I'm
1: old and have bad eyesight. Yeah, I think that would be... I think uh, the right chest tattoo uh, could kind of, you know, could kind of be cool, could kind of be a little sexy, but if it was like... I don't know. I don't know. They could go, one, it could go either it's way. Bu-
0: it's book one in the Shame series. If she cha- legally changes her name to something else, we might
1: be able to... Uh, to review this. Yeah. Yeah. The live thing is really a sticking point. I think that's a problem.
0: It is. Dude, I'm telling you. All I saw was like, why is my name all through this fucking email? And I was like, wait, this, this isn't about me. I didn't write a book.
1: So. Um, all right. So, well, I think that's, that's taken care of. Uh, Ryan, if you're listening, we're going to go ahead and decline that. Yep. Uh, we actually, Ryan, if you're listening, request that the author change her name. And if they agree to that, then we'll do we'll do a review. Correct. Now, this is a little odd. So we did we got there's there's um this this
0: third one is really out of whack. <laughs> so the first one's like, hey, I uh, I saw on your website that you uh, did Bird Box because I googled Bird Box and reviews to find out who right. might review my book. That's how I'm reading that one. Yeah. Then we've got this one who clearly just searched for live and podcast and and came up with with um, booked. Um, This third one, I don't know what they're trying to tell us. This third one, the name we won't read is Janelle Alex. The email we won't reply to is, um, you know, email redacted. The comment we won't read, we'd love to introduce you to our friend Laura Korn, an amazing woman and New York Times bestselling author. Now, Rob, we'd mm-hmm. like to get a New York Times bestselling author, right? We've talked about this. Yeah,
1: well, I mean, that was our resolution for last year. It was, and last year's
0: over, but yeah. still, it would be nice. Yeah. Let's find out what she did that's New York Times best-selling, and maybe we'll have her on the show. Laura's launching her first interactive app based on her book, 101 Nights of Great Sex, which sold over one million copies. Her phenomenal book, and now the app, helps long-term couples take their bedroom experiences from ho-hum to ooh-la-la. I, I mean... Yeah. I know you're saying we did a nonfiction book. I'm kind of like that was a 50 50 nonfiction book. But I don't know.
1: I, I've said this before. It's, these so, people are so disconnected. Maybe we should just ask her on. Hold on. Your, uh, There's testimonials. Did you make it to the testimonials? In my, um, there is a. There is, uh, Oh, yeah, there's one, right? From Barbara Walters? No, there's two. One from... Laura Korn is so good on the air, people call for weeks, and weeks is all capital, after she's left the building. And that's a quote from Ryan Seacrest.
0: (laughs) And the other one, that's kind of a big deal. (laughs) No one knows more about the art of seduction than Laura Korn,
1: and that's from Barbara Walters. I just fucking think I learned something new about Barbara Walters. She got seduced by Laura Korn. Apparently. I was trying to do I was going to do that in my Barbara Walters voice, but <laughs> I don't have a Barbara Walters voice. Everybody has a Barbara. Like, that's the nice. You don't have to have one because I think everybody just has it in their mind. Yeah, I guess that's true. Like a Barbara Walters filter.
0: So I don't think we're going to have um um Janelle Alex on. Wait, hold on. Janelle Alex is the person who contact us. Laura Korn is, is the person who we won't be having. We won't have either one of them on. Or Barbara Walters. <laughs>
1: yeah. Or Ryan Seacrest. I'm not really interested in having Ryan Seacrest on either, to be honest. Um, yeah. And what does it mean when it says sent by an unverified visitor to your site? Um, I have no idea. Oh, um, I think that on websites you have the... Uh, option to require people to sign in before they... Oh, I got you. And we don't require that, so any fucking random stranger can assault us with these requests. Alright, and actually, this one just came over today. So, Olivia, I don't know if you have a chance to read this yet. Um, again, I think we're going to run into the name problem, because this guy's name is Rob. Yeah, fuck that. Um, name we won't read. Rob Alex. Email we won't reply to. Redacted comment we won't read. We're getting ready to unleash... Our latest book, Sexy Challenges, 33 Adventures, Create Powerful Energy with Passion, Purpose, and Love. We would love for you to consider us for an interview on your show. What kind of shitty vibe are we getting off that <laughs> people think that we need all this fucking help with, with like our sex lives? What, what is I know, happening? right? Is it because we re- like reviewed BackDoing the Brat? That <laughs> it's because really... there's
0: fucking just the two. Do you think that's what it is? They like looked up erotica <laughs> and
1: review Oh man. I don't or know, like or two fucking guys the 50 Shades just, of gray. <laughs> yeah, just two guys talking about books like these motherfuckers. <laughs> um the thing that I thought was interesting about this one is um they're, it's a couple that made this book. One's Doctor Rob Alex and his wife, Doctor Janelle Alex. And they're all about They're an amazing power couple who help you and your partner open your hearts, souls, minds, and bodies through playful, metaphysical, spirituality, and sexuality. I don't know who's got time for that. All right. But much further down, it says, plan your sexy date nights with the
0: couple's sexual planner while creating planned (laughs) spontaneity. So planned spontaneity. Yep. Yep. Wait for it. Wait for it. Transform yourself (laughs) into vampires. Now, hold on a second. Rob, if we read this book and we can actually transform ourselves into fucking vampires, I say we do it.
1: Yeah, I'm going to be really pissed if that doesn't happen after reading this book.
0: <laughs> You'll even learn how to sexually charge your bunny.
1: My what? Your money. They said bunny. I was like, I don't know if I want a sexually charged bunny. Um oh
0: my god, no matter how you look at it, sexy challenges 33 adventures will set your lingerie spirituality and <laughs> intimacy on fire. Listen, if your fucking lingerie gets set on fire, stop <laughs> drop and roll, bitch. Just fucking... <laughs> 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 there might be something to this. You gotta fucking become a vampire, you gotta set some woman's fucking <laughs> panties on fire. <laughs> this might be the most fucking
1: this might be the best book we've ever read. <laughs> These guys are just constantly in court for lawsuits. <laughs> I can't walk because my underwear was lit on fire.
0: Here's, here's some, some questionable marketing. So it's currently available for pre-order on iTunes in case you want to be a vampire. Um, and uh, <laughs> will be released on February 14th. Oh. Which initially sounds like a great idea. Except for the fact that you get it on the day you'd probably most want to use it if you're the kind of person that's buying this. So, really, shouldn't right. it come out like February 1st?
1: Yeah, I mean, you either need to give them time or they're really planning for a year from now. That's yeah. really the only <laughs> time to get fire retardant underwear. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, my God. Buy a fucking silver necklace or something.
0: Oh, so I'd like to thank um, all of these people for submitting. Um, Liv, from one live to another. I apologize. <laughs> if we have the same name and we can't review your book for that reason. Um, we will review a Rob. But it'll be Rob Roberge. Followed by Rob a, Hart. Rob Hart, yeah. And that's way too many Robs already. Yeah. So um, yeah. But everybody else, it says right there we're not gonna fucking it says we won't even read it, but we're gonna
1: make fun of you for it. So it's yeah. maybe a little worse than us. <laughs> if now if you're one of the people that um I, I will 100% interview someone who picks up this 33 Adventures thing and their underwear catches fire. I want to talk to the person that that happens to. Yeah. So yeah, if, if any a vampire, victims of this book...
0: If you're a vampire that has fucking burn scarring from your underwear that got lit up, we want you on us. this podcast. That's right. So... Um, We did spill the beans a little bit on what we believe to be our next two episodes, so back-to-back Robs. It's going to be Rob Hart followed by Rob Roberge, and that's going to be in review form, and who knows, maybe interviews. We'll we'll see. Yeah. I'm not ruling it out. We haven't done an interview yet this year. That's true. We're
1: like 8% of the way in almost. Who knows, man? Who knows? Rob Hart's book, City of Rose, his second book in his uh, Ash McKenna. Mm Mm-hmm series. Yep. Starting the fourth one already it sounds like. I know. He, he He's just plugging away man. He's caught up in some sort of weird New York blizzard. Mhm. Which apparently anybody else in the world gets snow and it's the biggest story ever. In Chicago it's like any other day. I'm bitter about this shit. I'm tired of looking at people's pictures of snow. Yeah. When you want to
0: know what it all looks exactly the same because the snow in New York looks just like the snow in Chicago. Yeah.
1: This is nothing new to me.
0: Yeah, what are you flipping through that's so important right now? (laughs) I'm
1: just flipping through. There's um, this uh, press release that came with uh, Rob Roberge's book, and I just got some information I'm going to share with you after we're done. Cool. So, of course, everybody, that's what I like to do. I like to tell people things that they're not going to hear. That's right. So Rob and I are going to, um, we're going to call it a night. We're
0: going to shit talk some people, talk about Rob Roberge's book, and uh, get back to reading. Until next time, I'm Livia Snudden. And I'm Rob Olson. Keep reading.